happen? I will, I will tell you. <laughs> that song, both covenant theologians and dispensationalists can sing that song with every ounce that they have in them. Say, what? How many understand that? So the eternal state, we believe, comes after the what? The, uh, there's a term for it, the interlude kingdom, the um, millennial kingdom. I was trying to come up with a different word. There's a, another word to use there. But that kingdom, literally, Christ is going to set up His kingdom after the tribulation. Amen? From then on, He never relinquishes the crown. He never relinquishes the throne. He switches thrones, but He never relinquishes it. He will reign forever. Amen. That's an awesome song. And I, I just I love that song. Alright. We've been gone for a couple weeks now. Last time we met, um, it, it, by the way, it was kind of interesting I don't know if you know this, but did you notice the first song that we sang, He Will Hold, you, he will hold Me Fast? You know that song, song of the month? Did you see where that song is copyrighted, the, the version that we sing here, where it's copyrighted at? Capitol Hill Baptist Church. The man that was in your pulpit last week is from Capitol Hill Baptist Church. And he's a lawyer, so I was scared after I sent it. I thought, you know, this isn't good. We're going to get sued. <laughs> he didn't say a word, so I don't know. You did sing that last week, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> last time I met with you, we, we talked about what? What was the topic at hand in Matthew chapter 24, specifically verse 15? What was it? The abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation. If you remember, we, we, we broke up Matthew 24, one, I think it's like 3 through 8 or 4 through 8, and then 9 through 14. Remember that? When I showed you those two different things, the first one is, you know, there, there are, are Christ, uh, antichrists out there, there are false teachers out there, there's uh, earthquakes and, 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 and the such. And we can look at that and say, well, that could be what's happening now. Or it could be specifically talking about the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Either one of those, I believe, is within orthodoxy for sure. They can't, it can be either one. You can have a difference of opinion on there and still be really good friends. Matter of fact, you could probably still be married to each other. I'm not saying my wife has a different one, but I mean that, it's, it's not that big of a deal. But, but... If you say that is the tribulation and we are in it, well, then we have a problem. <laughs> now, we can have communication and fellowship. That's fine. But we're, there's going to be places we can't get along on. And that would be between a covenant theologian and a dispensationalist. The Bible says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, and this is so interesting, because not only here in Matthew, but also in Luke, and we're going to spend some time in Luke this morning. Let the reader understand. I touched on this a little bit last week, but, or two weeks ago, but not probably not enough, I don't think. 
When have you heard Jesus say, let the reader understand? Let me ask you, why in the world would he say, let the reader understand? What has he been saying to people that don't understand him? Let you that have ears to hear and eyes to see, right? That's what he was talking about when he was talking to us that were there, right? Whoever that us is, the disciples, the Pharisees. That's how he talked to them. This is this is unique to this text and to the Luke text. Why would he say, let the reader understand? Had this already been written down? Okay, so do you see an issue here? This is a help to us to understand that this was not written specifically for us, to us, to us, not for, to us. This let me ask you this. Will the book of Matthew be able to be found during the tribulation? Yeah. Those that are in the tribulation, are they going to be helped by this book of the Bible? Big time. Both the, all, all the Gospels, it's in them, and it's going to be a help for them. When, and I'll just give you an instance. When the Antichrist comes down, run away. Leave everything. Forget it. Forget the iPad. Get out of Dodge. Because what is coming up is terrible. So, I think it's something important. It's something neat. And I think I, I wanted to bring your attention to it. We've talked about these already. and We're just going to quickly go through them. And then when we get to the Luke passage, we're going to settle down and start going through it. Now it will come about in that day that the remnant of Israel and those of the house of Jacob who have escaped will never again rely on one who struck them. There is a point in time in history, and we're going to go through, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to do that right now. I should have put this slide somewhere else, but I'm going to. All good dispensationalists have charts, and I don't like charts because they get too cluttered. How many understand? But I do like charts because it gives us information. But I don't like charts because it's, okay. That's where I'm at. You know, the circle thing, I'm in between them. Charts are important to see the overall picture, right? And it's really important. This is just a timeline from the cross to eternity. And as you see, it doesn't have a dot, 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 but it has an arrow, it keeps going, okay? You have the church age. Oh, I got to tell you this story. Happened in class. Do you mind if I tell stories that happened in class? Okay, so, so I was sitting in, the, in, in, in this class and they were talking about... Um, relevant issues in preaching today. What are some of the theological issues that are going on today that are super important? And one of them is dispensationalism between dispensational and covenant theology. That is a breaking point. That is an issue. So Dr. Burgraff uh, was teaching on this. And he, he <laughs> you could see his 1970s <laughs> <laughs> stuff come up. It was just so. He, he went through all the dispensations, and he came to the dispensation called the Church Age, and he called it the dispensation of grace. And he kept calling it the dispensation of grace. And so I, I just okay, Doc, Dr. Burgraff, I, I, I got it. Can we not say that? Can we say the Church Age? I, I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to be rude. But it just isn't helpful 
he looked at me. You're right. This isn't. We shouldn't be doing this, and here's why. And he went through all the reasons why grace shouldn't be called that. Why shouldn't grace be called this age? It's always been grace. Don't do that. This is a very problem that we have with fighting against covenant theologians. They say, well, you believe grace was now and works later. Actually, you believe that. And someday we'll go through that. I'm telling you, there's a was even more educated on a, in an issue that just, they didn't teach it, but now I see it. And that is, covenant theologians, if you really want to get it, if you start talking to them theologically and get down to the very foundations of their salvation, it's works. It is works. That's why they have the doctrine of works, or the covenant of works. Adam had to work his way to heaven. He failed. We don't call that an advent or a time of works. We call it a time of testing. There's a difference. Okay. Now, I've talked to you tepidly, and I think I, I couched it in tepidness. And I, remember, I remember Grant came and talked to me because he didn't understand it quite well enough. He came, and I don't think any of us understand it quite well enough. He had the guts to ask. That was awesome. <laughs> so remember when... Uh, Steve Lawson says it this way. Forgiveness of sins brings you to zero. And Christ's works gets you to heaven. What are they basing that foundation on? See, Adam is, or Christ is the new Adam. Adam failed in his works. Jesus Christ did not fail in his works. Now let me ask you, is that a true statement? Certainly is, yes. But when you go to the extreme of zero and you need positive, now all of a sudden you are really, there, imputation, and I don't have this all figured out, and I think I said that when I taught about that in, in Romans chapter 8 when we went through it. I don't know all the ramifications of it, and I don't know how to exactly express it, but that right now today, there is a, two seminaries that are breaking apart over this very issue. The imputation of Christ, how far does it go? What is the reality of it? Is there a great exchange? Yes, there's a great. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness. But is it his righteousness because he worked it or because he's God? Maybe that's the question to ask. I don't know. But literally, literally it is. And, and it's some of it's semantics, and I'm not ready or prepared to preach on it. How many know what I'm talking about, though? Grant does because you remember talking about it. See, see, Grant remembers because we had a theological discussion. You will remember when we have theological discussions. I have theological discussions, okay? It's important. The church age. We have the church age. We're in the church age right now. Amen? All right. There's another, I, I don't know if you call this a different age. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. There is coming a day when the church is gone and there is a seven-year tribulation. Seven-year tribulation. That seven-year tribulation, the church, we believe, is raptured out of here. And eventually there will be a kingdom time frame. A thousand-year reign of Christ we call the kingdom. Amen? All those things are reality. The church age began when? This is a trick question. 
And, and we're all family here, okay? Are we all family here? Oh, you're so excited to be with family. Ah, woo yeah. Okay, so who came and started the church age? Be careful, be careful, please. How many think it's the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. How many think it's Jesus Christ? Raise the other hand. How many think it's both? <laughs> All right. Technically speaking, when did the church began? Begun, begin. Acts chapter 2 with the Holy Spirit, right? That was not possible without the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And their salvation was not possible without that. So it is both, but for our sakes right now, technically speaking, I'm going to call it the Holy Spirit, all right? And here's why. Covenant theologians want the Selvic history, the center of everything. Every, everything is focused on Christ. So when you go to Jonah and the whale, there's Christ. When you go to uh, Mary and Martha, it's Christ. When you go to David killing Goliath, it's Christ. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. Everywhere. It's Christocentric. It's also salvation-focused. Everything's about man's salvation. All the way back, that's why it's the covenant of works. How he gained his salvation. Now it's the covenant of grace. There's only two covenants that, that were in existence on this earth. The covenant of redemption was happened in heaven between uh, um, <clears throat> Jesus and God. You know, the, the, they, they got their heads together and figured it out. It's the dumbest thing ever in my life. The end of the church age is what we call the rapture, correct? That is the rapture. We believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. We believe the wrath of God is reserved for those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And in all honesty, this other, the third project I'm doing on the vow, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, we have all vowed it to Christ by confessing him as Lord. That... that Without that, there is no salvation. He is our Lord. But the rapture, the rapture happens. Uh, in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, the la okay, we all know that. The tribulation then is seven years. In the middle of that seven-year tribulation, and the reason I'm putting this up is so you can see it firsthand. That's what verse 15 of Matthew chapter 24 is talking about. That is called the abomination of desolation. That is done, done by the Antichrist. I think there's more to Antichrist than just a bad guy. I think it is Antichrist, and that's what brings the world together. So what are you talking about? When you get to the rock, Dome of the Rock, do you remember what's on the inside of that? Do Muslims carry half the world's religion or a great percentage of them? Yes. Do Juda does Judaism carry part of, of religion today? Do Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses? Okay, I can keep going on and on and on. What is the one thing that brings them all together? Christ is not God. Exactly. When I see the Temple Mount and I, and, and, and I hear, hey, they think they're going to build the temple 
over here so they can have both the Dome of the Rock and the temple together. Here's the only unifying thing that brings them together. Their hatred of Jesus as God. Therefore, Antichrist isn't just a name we throw the guy that has the 666 guy, you know, that whatever. It's not just that. It includes that. But I think there's a theological aspect to it. And the theological aspect is they're going to have a party because all those that are in Christ are out of here. Finally got rid of those guys. Do you see that? I mean, they're gone. Hey, it's all up to... We, Frank Sinatra will be the favorite song of the day. We did it and we're going to do it our way. Well, what happens is they're all clapping. Woo-hoo-hoo! This is great, 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 great. I don't know how they deal with all these people gone, but they're all excited. It's not about Christ. He has nothing to do with it anymore. Church isn't here. There's no restraint. It's a big, horrific, satanic party. It is. Except God judges. And in the first half of the, of the, of the tribulation, we have the... Um, we have judgments. We have seven judgments. The second half, I personally believe, now this is where it gets a little difficult, but there's, there's like two groups of seven judges, judgments. Judgment, judgment, bold judgment, seal judgment. Those are the three. T- t- anyways, that's not why I came here. There is judgment going on. What is happening is, hey, all the Jews love this guy. He is the king. He is awesome. We don't have to mess with the crystal stuff anymore. We're just focused on God. We have our temple built. They have to build a temple. There's, there's, we, he did it. He was instrumental in getting this temple. We love this guy. Then when halfway through the... So, so they love him. They, they just adore him. They worship him almost. As a matter of fact, that's what happens. A whole group of soldiers surround Jerusalem towards the middle of the tribulation. And he doesn't know what to do. Now what do I do? So what does he do? He breaks the covenant that he started at the beginning. I've got to get a pen here. All right. That ain't working. There we go. Okay. Uh, Yellow work? All right. So what we have going on now, according to the text that we've already been in, I'm not just being anti or extra biblical here. This is that we've already been through this. I'm just bringing it to you so you can see it. All right? So there are judgments here. But there is a covenant made with the Antichrist, AC. All right? The covenant is made. The temple is built. How do we know there's a temple? Well, we know there's a temple because here, midway through the tribulation, he breaks the covenant concerning the temple. He goes to the temple and he makes himself to be God. That's the abomination that brings desolation. So when he gets there and does that, what do the Jews do? 
the remnant Jews. So here, they love this guy. He's their great... Okay, now whether you like Trump or not, this is not what I'm trying to go at. But let me ask you, were there people in this country that would die for President Trump? Yes or no? Absolutely. That's what's going on here. These Orthodox Jews would die for him. Why? He built their temple after almost 2,000 years. We can finally worship God the way we want to. And doesn't that sound good? We can finally worship Him. We can finally be here. We can, this is awesome. But then, we're the, when, when it gets difficult, that's when things go awry, right? He's got this huge marauding army coming, and they all surround Israel. They're ready to kill, to destroy it. And what does he do? In order for peace with them, he, he's got this decision. Okay, I, I got the world on my shoulders, but obviously these guys don't. And the Jews, they're not that many. Who cares? Eh. There's probably more evil behind that besides that. But he breaks the covenant. He makes himself king. And then there's no war there then. Doesn't need to be. He fixed the problem. Why? And this is so big. Because it's all about the Jews. Why in the world would anybody want to go to Jerusalem and destroy that people? What? what? It's a nothing. Do you follow that? There's nothing. It's what? What? I want to go there because I can take pictures of, of sites where Christ was. That's the only reason I want to go there. There's nothing great about Jerusalem apart from that. Not for the Jew. That's everything. And the temple is everything. So they love him, and then he does this. And when he does this, then we have what Luke says, we have what Matthew says after Matthew chapter 15. Now, what are the results of that? Let's just look at that for just a second. Matthew chapter 25, 24, verse 16. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, that's exactly what I'm talking to you about right there in the middle of the tribulation. When you see this, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Here's the deal. Daniel was not, he, he said this a couple different times. One time for sure, at least, bare minimum, he's talking about the future. He's not just talking about Antiochus Epiphanes. Amen. At least one time because it says so in the text. And if the text says it, then it has to be, right? Because we are inheritance here, right? Everything the text says, it's our misunderstanding that makes it look contradictory. All right. So, um, back to where he was. Then those who are in Judea was what? What do they have to do? Because of what just happened, the abomination of desolation, what are they going to do? What are they supposed to do? Man, chicken with the head. You know, get out of Dodge. Run, 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 right? Get out of here. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whosoever is on the housetop must not go down to get things out of, that are out of the house. I said, that's what I said. Hey, you can't take your iPad. Go, just leave. Run. Obviously, the church is not going to be here. But the Jews that are the remnant are. They are. And this is who he's talking to. That's why he says those who read this understand. Got it? All right. Whosoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out of that are out of the house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. 
But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Why? Well, it's pretty hard to do a 40-yard dash being pregnant. I've never known that, but I have witnessed that. Not the 40-yard dash, but the pregnancy issue. And then those that are suckling, how much worse is that? They're bigger, they're heavier. I mean, it, it's a big deal. This is a bad time and they need to get out of Dodge ASAP. That's the, how many see that? And pray that your flight will not be in the winter. Why? It's even harder. When you bring in the elements, that's even worse. Or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation. Now, let's see, here's the deal. Or on the Sabbath. Why would that be a hindrance? Okay, so here's what he's doing. This is awesome. I love this. May it be not in the winter. Is that physical or mental? It's physical. It's physical, frozen water, frozen snow. I mean, it's nasty, cold. It's all about the outer man. Sabbath. We're talking about Jews here that were just applauding the temple. Who are amongst them? <laughs> They're Orthodox Jews. Is Sabbath important? So here, here's the deal. Should I say or should I go now? <laughs> that song will come to their mind. <laughs> right? What am I supposed to do? I can't run. It's Sabbath, but I need to run. <laughs> How many understand? It's, it's a spiritual quandary in their mind. Jesus saying, hey, you get out of Dodge. Hope it's not in Sabbath because if it is, then there's going to be some of you that are going to be tormented on what to do. Follow that? For then, these will be a, then there will be a great tribulation. Okay, that text right there tells us this is exactly in the middle of the tribulation. Matter of fact, it gets better. We're going to show you. It actually gives you the dates and the time. Not the dates, but the times. Amen? It's going to tell you exactly how long this is going to take. And what is it? 1,260 or 40? Here's the deal. This, this I, I get confused on this. Not that I don't know what's going on. I just get confused with the exact numbers because I'm not a mathematician in my head. But in the text, when he's talking about the abomination, there are times that he adds 30 days. And there are times that he adds, I think it's 45 days. There's like 70 days or something till the kingdom. So here's what I'm saying. With the numbers that are present, it's obviously three and a half years to that day. But in Okay, that's the abomination. But when Christ comes down until the, the kingdom, Christ will come down. There is, there is a expanse of, and as I get through the text, we'll, we'll know the exact number of a number. Is it 75 days? What is that? Yeah, so I was right. Okay, 30 and 45. 75 days. These 75 days are talked about to the day. So one author says 1,290. 
which is an extra 30, and then another author expresses the 45 days. So it, what's going on here is this abomination happens, and then, then Christ wipes them out, right? The last, so it's, it's, what I believe is happening is they found the elect, and they want to destroy them, and Christ said, uh-uh, gone. They're gone. They're dead. Between that moment right here, the end, and that's when the beast gets thrown to the lake of fire. That's when the um, uh, false prophet gets thrown into the lake of fire. Everybody gets thrown in the lake of fire except for Satan, the Antichrist. He goes into the pit. See the difference? All right? That's right here. At this moment, Satan's in the Satan, Jesus comes down. Satan goes into a pit. The the uh, false prophet and the beast or whatever I can't remember the names of them exactly. I get too excited. Those two other guys go into the lake, the eternal lake of fire. That's what the text. That's they're gone. Satan's not. And it's interesting why covenant guys just can't understand that. Because you've got three guys that he talks about specifically. Amen. Two of those are put in the lake of fire directly. It says it in the text. And it says Satan, the one that's left, gets put in a bottomless pit. Why would he do that? What, what, what's the point? You gotta, it doesn't make sense. And so that's when they come out with, well, he's, he's still here today because he's got a long chain. He's been bound. He's in the pit just with a long chain. Okay, well, whatever. You know, Maybe a Passover would be better than your thumb. Try that. That might you get might get better information. All right. Did you get that? <laughs> All right. The issue is, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> the issue is, there is a time frame between that event of putting these guys away for eternity, putting them in the bottomless pit, and the reigning of Jesus Christ by 75 days. That 75 days, we don't have information about it directly. It's just, what's going on? Well, here's what I believe is going on, and I could be totally wrong on this. Opinion, flashing red light. Opinion is, he's doing the getting rid of people and fixing stuff on this earth for the kingdom to happen. There's a work that's going on for kingdom purposes. Uh, some of it's judgment, and there is judgment. We know that. Um, and Matthew 25 tells us that. Uh, there is a judgment of those that are uh, the wicked of earth and the, and by, and the, and the Christians. They, they all go to this judgment, or it's a general judgment, and one is taken, one is left. That's the judgment, right? Got it? One, you're out, two are out in the field. One is taken, one is left. The one taken goes with the anti, or not the Antichrist, the, the false prophet and those that went to eternal hell. That's where they go. The others stay. Where are they staying? The kingdom. This huge thing. They are staying in the kingdom. And it's interesting that these, these that uh, are staying, they have a life. There's a life that they live that we have already lived. How many understand this? We come down with Christ 
to rule and reign with Him in His kingdom. Alright? But we do not have, as we know it, physical bodies to enjoy another life. How many understand that? We are, have glorified bodies to serve God totally. That's our whole mission. To serve, to rule and reign. But there are people on this earth that went through that judgment that God reserves for the kingdom. Live people. Not just Jewish people. There are also thousands, numbers, Gentile people that are truly born again. They've made the oath. They've confessed Jesus as Lord. They are there also. That life is going to be different than ours. You and I, whether we die or whether we are raptured, will have glorified bodies and cannot sin. The people that go through the tribulation and are born during the millennial kingdom, they can and do sin. Now, it's interesting that they sin, but they sin of their own free will, not of someone like the devil because he's put in a pit. Okay, So it's our own lust that's doing that. Our own residual fleshliness. Okay, That's what's doing it. So, and then what happens at the end of the kingdom, there is a huge war, and that war is between all of those who, who made professions but hated God. Did you see what I just said? That's so important. Why? Because God is ruling with the rod of iron. Here's what it reminds, it reminds me of Christian school. We'll do the right things because I've been, I have to, and there's a guy with a rod and iron that'll make me. Or there's a ruler that'll make me. It's not really a heart thing, right? It's doing good by manipulation. And that's not right either. Manipulation is the right word. By, by, by rule, by command. And so there's some rebellion going on in the hearts. And that rebellion will be full-fledged because then Satan will be loose, which doesn't make sense to me at all. I don't know how a covenant guy, because you know, what do they do with Satan's losing? I have no idea. Satan is loosed. A war takes place. And eternity is a result. Does that make sense? That is what it is. in the, Now, where do we get all this? Acts chapter 2, right? Boy. My finger's better. Acts 2, right? Where do you get the rapture? Second Thessalonians, right? Moment, trinkling of an eye. Abomination. That's where we're at right now. Matthew 25. Or 24, sorry. It's also in Luke, and we'll get there eventually today. Lord willing. Um... The kingdom, what does that look like? Well, that's not a fair question. I'm sorry. Give me a direct passage that talks directly about the kingdom. Revelation 20. There is no other one. There are uh, um, um, promises, prophesies of it, and there, Jesus Christ, when he was speaking, many people believe it's all about kingdom stuff. And I, I think they're right. I think it was, blessed are the merciful, blessed are these, blessed are these. remember all the blessed stuff. I really do believe. But folks, that's with all, listen, 
Here's what the kingdom is. And we've got to understand this. This is why um, I am more revised. I'm between revised and progressive. And it's because of this. The remnant have to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Just like we have. How many understand that? They have to be saved. They're not going to just be there because they're Jewish people. They will look on Him whom they have pierced. Matter of fact, that's what I think is going to happen at the end of the tribulation. This is what I, this, this, I love this. At the end of the tribulation, at the end of the Mosaic Law, when the law was given, the people turned around and said, God, we will do this. They made an oath to God. At the end of the tribulation, the Jews will make an oath to God. You are my God. I will follow you. And God will say, you are my people. We did that at salvation. I'm not trying to say that the Jews and Gentiles are the same in every way. They are not. There are distinctions. But we are saved the same way. The Gentiles will enter into the millennial kingdom because they turn to Christ. Just like the Jewish people, that remnant, all of that remnant, those 144,000 plus, they have turned to Christ. In other words, they have literally turned their back on the Judaism that the Pharisees brought to them that they think is real right now. They'll turn their back on that and they will turn to Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. That's where we are the same. That's what people call the continuity. That does not make us Israel. We are not Israel. We are all a peoples of God. Amen? And God used different peoples of God just like He does with husband and wife in different responsibilities. The Jews brought us Jesus Christ. Amen? The church is a benefactor of that. Not the instigator of it. The Jewish people were. Does that make sense? Alright. So, uh, I've lost my place. I've been listening to book. Any questions on this? Is that simple enough? I, I try to make it super simple and super plain because you could just start piling verses on and things. Like, I mean, you could. It gets too difficult to do that. All right. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, I did put that up. See that purple line there? That is the 75 days between the second coming and the kingdom. There's 75 days. Okay. All right. We know for sure that this passage is future. And this is where we left off two weeks ago. Because the prince who is to come confirms a covenant. Folks, that covenant has not taken place. Israel has to, yet to this day signed a covenant with anybody concerning this. It, it has not happened. It will happen. Daniel chapter 9. Matthew chapter 24. Second, Jesus prophesied. This is Jesus prophesying that the abominations causes desolation spoken of by whom? Daniel. Anybody that said that abomination of desolation is really talking about Antiochus Epiphanes is a liar and they're calling Jesus a liar. Because Jesus is making it a prophecy, not a historical event. 
Amen? Will happen after the gospel has been preached. And when will it happen? Not only that, when will it happen? When the gospel is preached to all the nations. Folks, in A.D. 70, so some people say A.D. 70 is the abomination of desolation. It may have been a abomination of desolation, but it is not the abomination of desolation. Because the whole world was not gospelized. Ask Paul. Paul was wanting to get to Spain. Why? Because there was a place that wasn't gospelized. And what about all India? And, and one of the projects I'm working on is I have to find out about, a lot about where the apostles went and what they did. So I've got to rely on tradition. But folks, the world was not gospelized. I would argue today, this, today the world has not been gospelized yet. Thirdly, the prince who is to come is that at the end of the 70th week of Daniel, all of those conditions that are involved with the 70th week of Daniel have to come to fruition, and they haven't. None of them have, which was not the case after the time of Titus. Amen? All right. Now, this is where we started this morning. I didn't have the slide up, but we do now. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. I mean, he's standing in the holy place. Jesus is talking about that. And there was no... Okay, what was it? It's 40 years after Christ left this earth. There has never been a temple of Israel. It's gone Matter of fact, to be honest with you, Jesus abandoned the temple when he left it in Matthew 23. And that was a symbol of, I've given you another chance and you've blown it. I'm out of here. Because God had already been gone and I can't remember the passage. Matthew 25, 24, 15 through 21 then gives us all these things and we've just read that. Then those who are in Judea will flee the mountains. House stop will go down and see the things in the house. Um, yeah, you can read through that. We already did. I'm not going to spend more time on it. Luke chapter 21. As we started this morning, I said, you remember chapter verses 4 through 8 seemingly are, it, it could be the first half of the tribulation or it could be just to get us ready to be imminent, the imminent return of Christ. Luke 21, 12 gives us an argument that helps the um, first half of the tribulation theory. How many understand that? And that's in verse 21, verse 12. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me if you would there, please. We cannot do this with everything because we will be here forever. All right, so um, I'm going to be speeding up here in the next month or so. Luke 21 Verse 12. And actually, let's start in verse 5, okay? Just read along with me. Don't read out loud, but read along with me as I read. I'm going to be reading from the NASB. And while some were talk, talking about the temple, that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, As for these things which we are looking at, the days will come in which there will not be one stone upon another which are not torn down. Is this harmonized with Mark, Matthew chapter 23 and 24? Absolutely, it's the same event, okay? They questioned him saying, Teacher, 
When therefore will these things happen? Do you remember that question? It was like in verse 1 or 2 of Matthew 24. And when will the sign be that these things will take place? And he said, see to it that you are not misled. Okay. Knowing what you know now, how is Israel going to be misled? Here, here's the temple for you. We don't need that Christ. They're gone. We need this. The Antichrist. It, it's, yeah. yeah. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, the time is near. Do not go after them. You know what? There will be Israel, some of Israel will be going after him and love him and adore him. And I would say a majority. There will be some that, oh, this has happened and they'll look into their scripture and they'll realize we got this wrong. We hermonized wrong. <laughs> Hermeneutics. <clears throat> when you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrible. Do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Then he continued to be saying, nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Does that sound familiar to verses 4 through 8 of Matthew chapter 24? Yeah. They might even go on in a little bit heavier, but it's very similar. Listen to what he says. Verse 12, But before all these things, they will lay hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogue, prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my sake. What Before all these things. What is that talking about? This word, before all these things, is an important phrase. Before what things? What he's talking about is tribulational age. Before this tribulational age, there's some things that are going to happen. Let me ask you, did Israel face any of the before these things? In other words, give me the history from 30 AD to 2020 with Israel. Did they face these things? Oh my goodness, they faced them horribly horribly they will lay their hands on you and persecute you give me a name this was written you know uh, uh, I'm not even going to guess there what is this it's written after Christ's death for sure it may or may not have been written before or after the fall of Jerusalem regardless Personally, I believe Mark, or not Mark, Matthew was written before the fall. That's my opinion. There were disciples before the destruction of Jerusalem writing. And so some of this they had no idea. They just didn't know. But let me ask you, did Rome persecute Israel? Oh my goodness, they did. Delivering you into the synagogues and prisons. Oh, there's that word. Delivering you into the synagogues and prisons. Bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead an opportunity for your testimony. For your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare before him to defend yourselves. For I will give you utterances and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to recite, resist, or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by 
all because of my name, yet not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee. And then it goes into exactly what he was talking about in Matthew. We just read it. Matthew 24, verses 16 and following. But Matthew chapter 24, verses 16 and following doesn't come till verse 21 in Luke. So he's giving us, here's what I believe. I believe there is some essence of Jerusalem, destruction of Jerusalem, Nazism, um, anti-Jewism, all that stuff is found in some of these texts as happening right now. Because the text says what? Right here, right above me. Before these things, before the tribulation, and then all of a sudden, verse 21 goes right back into the tribulation. Do you see that? Now, the very fact that he says before these things in verse 12, I hope you're following me, verse 11 must be some aspect of that tribulation. That's the argument. Is it logical? Sure, it's logical. Before all these things, these has to refer to 11. It has to. So there is your argument, if you're looking for one, when you're making your theology of 4 through 8 being the first half of the tribulation. How many, did you understand that? Did, okay, I, I, all right, there's your argument for you. <clears throat> and to be honest with you, I, I agree with that, but I also agree that the writings in Scripture are also a help. So I'm, I'm arguing census plenaire, which means double meaning, which some people say that's ridiculous. But there are principles in that text. We need to be ready for Christ's return. We do. These things are all around us today. Anyways, here are the days I talked about. And from the time that, you, that the regular sacrifice is abolished, Okay, tell me when the regular sacrifices were abolished. Were they abolished when Babylon came and destroyed them? Were they abolished when uh, Rome came and destroyed Jerusalem? They came back together, right? By the way, it wasn't 120 or 1,200 days either. It was like years. Okay, so this doesn't fit with that. When was the last time from here till what time in history has there not been any sacrifices for the Jewish people? AD 70. If that is the abomination to destination, that's what we're talking about, when it's set up, 1,290, 1, see they added the, the 30, 1,260 days until Christ returns. So we kind of missed that by how many hundreds of years? <laughs> how do you follow that? It doesn't work. And Christ, listen, he's putting in a specific number. Why? Because he really means a thousand years? No, he's specific for specific reasons. So this abomination has to be in the future. 
It has to be during the middle of the tribulation because 1260 days is three and one half years. That's what it is. Then the woman fled, verse 6 of Revelation chapter 12. We'll add another, bring another text in. Then the woman fled in the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. Okay, so the woman fled. Who's the woman? I think this is so cool. Now some people say, well, the woman is the bride of Christ. No. The bride of Christ is whom? The church. This woman is the Jewish people. It's that remnant that is left over. That woman, matter of fact, we know that because Jesus just said, when this happens, run, run, run with all your, be a gingerbread man. Run as fast as you can, right? Run and run and run and run and don't stop. Matter of fact, there's, there's words in the, in the apocalyptic literature that says the, the cleft of the rock will hide you. This group of remnant is running all over Israel finding respite. Do you understand what I'm saying? Finding, matter of fact, there's one text that talks about they found, it's, it's almost as if the Antichrist finds them. And he sends an army. We got them now. Go get them. And they're after them. And guess what happens? God destroys them with a flood. Flood of water, I think the text says. Awesome. That's what this is talking about. This desolation. That's why this desolation is so important. By the way, without this desolation, we'd be really hurting trying to figure out what God has in the future. How many understand that? This is a key item. This is a kingpin. For 1,000... 260 days. We know what this is talking about now that we compare it with Matthew 24 and Luke chapter 21 and Old Testament Daniel and Isaiah and Zechariah and we can keep going. They're all dealing with these promises that have not happened yet with Israel. Haven't. Daniel chapter 12 verse 12 says, How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains the 1,335 days. What is that? We've had a 1,260. We've had a 1,290. And now we have 1,335. Here, who is he talking about? How blessed is he? Who's the he? The remnant. What happened to the remnant halfway through the tribulation? By the way, the remnant was saved during the first half of the tribulation. 144,000 witnesses. Those, they were saved then. Everything was cuckoo and caca. You know, all the lovely baby sounds. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then this happens midway through and they take off running. Why do they take off running? It's because of the text. I am absolutely confident the text of Scripture has to be existing in the tribulation. It has to. They've got to know, i got to get out of here. That just happened. They could have questions, and that's why they still go to the temple. But when he does this, we're out of here. Get out of Dodge. And they run. He says, blessed is they who keeps waiting. He get, they get to the 130 or 1,335 days. Praise the Lord for them. Why? They're going to live their life with Christ 
in a, their physical body. Their physical earthly body. They're going to be in the kingdom. And I would argue, they're not ever going to die. It's, it's, this is awesome. Revelation chapter 13, there's a couple verses here that give us some helps also. A mouse speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. Again, we have another date, another time, and it fits perfectly within the scheme I just showed you. All this works together. Revelation chapter 13, I'm hurrying because I want to get done with this so we can move on. It was also given to him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nations was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Who's the him? It's the Antichrist. Everyone whose name has not been written in the foundation of the world of the book of life was who has been slain. Revelation chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. Second Thessalonians, here's our verse for the, for the rapture. This is our passage anyways. Let no one deceive you. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. When is the man of lawlessness revealed? The abomination of desolation. They do not know that until that time. How many get that? They have no idea. They think he's a great guy. The son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. That's the abomination of desolation. That's it. Displaying himself as God. I am God. Oh boy, we got a problem. Quick, get the kid out of here. Run. I guarantee you the first place they're going to look is Masada. The bad guys to kill Israel. That is the one who is coming is in accord with the activity of Satan and all power and signs of false wonders. This guy will perform miracles. Seeming miracles. And with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. All right. So, how many understand what we went through? Following this? Church age, tribulation, kingdom. That's all we're talking about right now. Don't focus on anything else. Holy Spirit starts the church age. The church is raptured at the beginning of the tribulation. The trib- in the middle of the, or at the beginning of the tribulation, the, the Antichrist, not understood as the Antichrist, makes a covenant with Israel and others. He breaks that covenant halfway through. The Jews take off for dear life and they are running for 1,334 days, but actually it's 1,260 days. <clears throat> and that's that second, that second purple arrow coming down. That is the second coming of Christ. He has 75 days where he sets up the kingdom. That is between those two markers and oh, and then the kingdom. All right, I went through it. I, I told you, I, I gave you a ton of passage. How many have learned something this today concerning this aspect? All right. How many are going to study it even more? Half of you. Good, I'm glad. I hope you do. I am done with the abomination of desolation for now. I am totally done with it. Next week we are not talking about that. We will go on with the text 
starting in verse 16. That's results of the abomination. But we're going to start preaching verse 16. And it is going to go a little quicker now because you needed to see this all together in order to figure out what's going on. Did, Reve did Luke chapter 21 help you? The before you're all things? Okay, good, good. All right, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Lord, thank you so much for all you have done for your love and your goodness, for your discipline, for your chastisement. Dear God, I pray as we seek your face every day, I pray that you will grow closer and closer to us. We will be growing in grace and grace, grace upon grace more and more as we seek your face. Dear Lord, I pray as we look at these of, of what you are planning for the end of the age, I pray, dear Lord, that these things won't be a a, a uh, exercise in cerebralness that I got to know this and I got to know that and I got to know that and, and all these guesses and, and, and we're, when it comes almost to nonsensical. But dear God, I pray that we would realize that, you know what, you have a sovereign plan perfectly, perfectly laid out and you have chosen to show us glimpses of that sovereign plan in order to warn people of the upcoming judgment to spread the gospel to the world to get the bible in the hands as many as we can for if they will not listen to us dear lord as we present the gospel daily in our lives i pray that they will that you will break them so they have nowhere else to turn but your word and realize where they are and what they need to turn their eyes back to you dear god i pray I beg of you, help us love each other more and more as the day approaches. For we start yelling and screaming when the smoke, we, we, we yell smoke when the smoke comes in a little bit and we can smell it. We're, we're, we get a little bit curious and concerned. But when the room is filled with smoke, we start screaming knowing that the fire is about to explode this whole room. And I pray, dear Lord, that we start screaming. We start telling people, there's a judgment coming. You need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior for your honor and your glory. Amen. Have a great day. Sorry I went a little long. I got a little excited on this text. Have a wonderful afternoon. That thing just started blinking. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. That's good. <clears throat>